good at it and um, it was like a zone of excellence of mine but my zone of genius is actually the strategic thinking and the coaching so I decided okay screw it (laughs) I'm gonna do it Um, and so that's where how I've ended up where I am now Um, and I through that process also realized the people that I wanted to work with so um, I want to work with creatives Welcome to the Digital Hive podcast, where we talk all things digital marketing for small businesses. On this episode, I spoke with Holly Arnett of Maker & Moxie about marketing her brand strategy and coaching business. We talk about why she decided to change the brand's name recently, communicating the message to the right people, and community over competition. Maker & Moxie is on a mission to help creators build their brand, share their work, and own their moxie. Holly provides coaching, strategy, resources, and events that help creatives find clarity and take action so they can build a business they're proud of and step confidently into their next level. I hope you enjoy listening to this chat about the whole journey through brand, marketing, and sales. Hi, Holly. Welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here chatting to you. Nice. So to start us off, tell us about you and your business. For sure. So yeah, my name's Holly Arnett and I am the founder of uh, Maker and Moxie and we uh, do brand strategy and coaching for creatives. So that's, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into, but that's us in a nutshell. Yeah, that's all right. I have plenty of more questions for you about yeah. all of it. <laughs> so, um, so you have recently changed the name from Black and White mm-hmm. Studios to Maker and Moxie. Um, tell us about kind of like the reasoning behind that shift and like how you kind of came to that conclusion. Yeah, for sure. So um, I started my business about four or five years ago very quickly um, and I chose a name quickly that would work. Um, And at the time I was doing hand lettering and typography design. That's what my business was. Um, Obviously it's changed a lot since then. Um, So black and white studios kind of made sense because I was a typography studio and I focused on like my personal work was all basically black and white, like very minimal black and white design and yeah it worked it was something that was very quick and did the job but I never really fully loved it and um it there were a few reasons why I realized we needed to change one is that the whole time since then I've always been like tagged in things about like black and white photography um there are a lot of other businesses called black and white something like there's a whole coffee company in New Zealand called Black and White Coffee Um, and there's another studio just opened up somewhere in Auckland I think called like Black and White Design Studios or something like that photography studios or something so it's always getting tagged in like other people's things or things to do with black and white photography which is not related to what I did at all Um, but also What I actually do has shifted a lot, who I work with has shifted a lot, like the clarity on the transformation that we provide and the um, impact that we want to have and the vision that we want to have has all changed so much. And so Black and White Studios doesn't or didn't speak to any of that anymore. Um, It wasn't aligned with the vision for where we're going didn't speak to anybody in particular at all. It didn't really feel like the vibe or the energy uh, that we have as a company. And yeah, it just wasn't 
uh, aligned with any of those things. So um, it wasn't like a split decision that I decided I needed to change, but just over over the years, it's become more and more uh, clear <laughs> that it needed to change. And it just reached a point where like, it actually felt like it was stopping us from moving forward and stepping into like our vision and the future for uh, Maker and Moxie. So yeah, that's why, why it's all changed. <laughs> I feel like for me, like the thing that became for me synonymous with your brand was actually orange. So I always yeah. like, I would like obviously remembered the business name, but like whenever I saw anything on social, it was the orange that made me new made me yeah. know it was you um <laughs> so it was like but that carries through right you've kept that yeah completely and um in a way it almost like suits the new name better in a way like mm-hmm. it perfectly yeah. translates um <laughs> which like as much as a color can do it's like I guess it's kind of like Tiffany blue in a way of like yeah I mean, hopefully yeah. nobody else is stealing your exact orange because that would annoy <laughs> so. I hope not. But yeah. I think, like, that is, um, you know, testament to the power of, like, um, branding. Not that I'm trying to <laughs> convince anybody of, like, my job. But um, colour does um, influence, like, recognition uh, or increases it up to, like, 80%. And so many people recognise me just like you do from that colour orange. And when I ask people what they thought the name was going to change to they said is it going to be something to do with orange or is it going to be like pink and orange studios or something like that because it has become so synonymous which I think helped with the name change because like you said like the colors and the design has all stayed the same um it's just the the name that's changed that um which has made it a lot easier I think yeah so your offerings changed a bit over the years because I've literally been following you for I would say Wait, how long have you been in business? Like, like three, four, four five. years, four and yeah. a half, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think I've been following you for like at least three. Um, yeah. And I think at the start, you were offering more like services and that typography kind of work. Mm-hmm. So how did you transition to what you're doing now? Like, how did that morph over time? And how did you land on your kind of like what you love the most? Yeah, um, so I started, as I said, doing typography and lettering. Um, because that's and still is something that I really love like um, when Maker and Moxie is like up and running and is like you know living on its own without me I want to go back and be able to just be an artist and that's my dream but anyway so I started off doing typography and lettering which led me to doing hand lettered logos because people were always like oh can you hand letter my logo can you design my logo for me Um, And as I was doing that, I realized, well, actually, you can't just do the logo. The logo doesn't exist or you can't really do a successful brand without everything that comes with a logo, like colors, fonts. You need a full suite of logos, not just one, like everything. And then through that process, I was already kind of doing like brand strategy as I was doing that, but not charging for it as a separate thing. Um, It was just included in the branding process because you kind of have to do some version of it in order to get a successful brand. Um, And so I realized, okay, this is actually what I really, really love. And I did um, a course, I went through a course that recommended doing the StrengthsFinder test. And I had already been thinking about doing just brand strategy, but I was a little bit scared of 
doing that. Um, and the strengths finder test, which I had done in the past, but I redid it, um, highlighted that actually my strengths are in strategic thinking and relationship building, not in execution and not in influence. And so I realized like actually what I'm really good at and what I love to do and the impact that I want to have all align with, um, which is the things that make up like your purpose, um, all align with being a brand strategist and a coach because I had always just loved more of the big picture thinking, helping somebody turn their idea or their dream into a reality, um, coaching them through setting all of that up and kind of cheerleading them along the way and helping them realize that it's possible and all of that great stuff rather than actually moving the pixels around and designing the logos and stuff like that. Like I was good at it and um, it was like a zone of excellence of mine, but my zone of genius is actually the strategic thinking and the coaching. So I decided, okay, screw it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, and so that's where how I've ended up where I am now. Um, and I, through that process, also realized the people that I wanted to work with. So um, I want to work with creatives that's who I am as you know I'm an artist um, and I have done all the things that artists do like being try to get into exhibitions being at markets like um, all of that stuff um, and yeah they were my favorite clients to work with and I didn't I had kind of sort of been falling down the trap of like working with people who I thought I should be working with but then I realized nah that's not for me <laughs> creatives are my people that's where I'm at so yeah and I think how I've been able to transition that is just by being good at brand strategy like I've been able to transition my positioning and help um, grow what people know me for um, so that in each of those stages people knew me as the thing that I was doing um, so made it yeah, easier to transition because I have that ability to build that like <laughs> recognition and um, yeah, people remembering what I do. Yeah, for sure. So maybe walk us through each of the different ways that people can work with you because I feel like that will help people to understand how you kind of go about your marketing is to kind of understand what you're marketing first. Yeah, for sure. So I have um, my signature service is a one-on-one -on -one brand strategy. Um, and you can either do that as just the strategy or the strategy plus three months coaching um, afterwards. And then I also have one-off coaching sessions. So for people who are like, I just want to talk to you for an hour about this part of my strategy or whatever. Um, and then I have products. So um, I have uh, resources that are at a lower price um, for people who uh, want to DIY or just do a certain part of their branding. Um, and then this uh, last quarter, I also just ran for the first time a group version of my strategy. Um, so that's kind of a newer thing that I've run once and will be running again in September. So yeah, that's my suite. I have one-on-one -on -one services, group services, and then products. Yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, in a way, it's kind of like the same, it's all based around the same thing, but it's different delivery that works for yes. people, either with like the way that they work or how their budget is as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
my um mission is always to make like branding as accessible and um achievable for anybody no matter like where you're at or what resources you have like branding can be very people are a little bit like you have to invest like thousands for it to and work with a brand strategist for it to be valid or good um that's not what I believe (laughs) so I'm like no we can make it work and I can help you out as much as I can with the budget that you have and the resources and the time that you have available so that's why I have kind of a suite of options (laughs) yeah so walk us through like how you market the business as a whole both online and offline yeah, um, so offline has been a little bit more difficult lately. <laughs> um, but I used to be very, very active in like the local creative community. I used to run a Design Assembly, which was a um, organization that ran events for designers um, and all around the country. So I would go and run those events, right? So I built quite a good network from that. Um, I managed, like I connected with all the speakers that I um, got to come and talk at the events and things like that and the attendees and um, everybody involved. So that was really helpful in terms of offline. I've always been a big fan of like um, going to events and giving back to the creative community. Like I always go back and speak at my university because I'm still in the same city that I studied in. So I go back and teach and I go back and speak and um go to like I spoke at creative mornings and things like that so I just love being involved in local events and communities and things like that and I think that's a really great way to market indirectly um, by just growing that network Um, and then online I think I do a lot of things (laughs) online um, but I primarily focus my attention on Instagram as my kind of short form or like micro content um, on Instagram and then I have a blog and a podcast which is the same content but um, written and audio um, and a newsletter and so those are kind of my main focuses uh and then sometimes I dabble in like I uploaded a couple of videos to TikTok just to see what would happen and some I tweet about when a podcast episode comes out but I don't like focus my attention on those um and yeah I I don't know how yeah how much detail you want me to go into in terms of like how I market on those platforms but I guess those are the the ones that I focus on is yeah Instagram for like micro content and then my macro stuff is the podcast and the blog posts how do you plan everything do you sit down and kind of like do everything all at once or is it like off the cuff kind of content um the macro stuff is very planned so I work with a SEO content strategist and she every quarter goes through my website analytics and looks at like what I'm ranking for or what I need to be ranking for or how we can improve or topics that she thinks would help um, and then I go through those and think figure out like um, what ones I want to use what ones I don't want to use I think about um, what things I have coming up like if I have a launch coming up and I want to um, do podcasts around that topic like the name change for example we did podcast episodes about changing your name things like that um, and then I work with a 
I have a podcast manager, so I have to be quite organized <laughs> with that. Um, so uh, that is all very planned. So we have like a master document that is planned in advance, like what episode is going to be coming out on what date. And it's planned like a quarter in advance. We plan that basically a quarter at a time. Um, the micro stuff like on Instagram is a lot more like off the cuff I more plan that like weekly or monthly at a push (laughs) I'm not very good at like planning in advance other than big things so like for big campaigns or big launches um, then I can plan sort of more in advance or I have sort of recurring things that happen that I know are going to happen every week or every month um, like series that I do or Um, promoting the podcast is going to come out every week that kind of thing Um, but otherwise I basically plan all the other content uh, the week of when it comes out who are you are you thinking of like a target audience when you're doing all of this or do you have like a specific person in mind how do you kind of approach who you're creating for Yeah, so I um, definitely have a very clear target audience. My target audience is like creators and makers who are trying to build their creative business. Um, And like I said, because I have been that person, I often am thinking, what would I want to know? Like if I think about me starting out as a hand lettering artist, I'm like, flipping what did I need to know what was I thinking about what was I panicking about what was I feeling unsure about what did I need help with that kind of thing Um, but then I also think about like the clients that I've worked with because the most well all the clients I've worked with um, as a brand strategist have been ideal clients of mine Um, so I just have kind of them in mind Um, and as a brand strategist I have a um, like a target audience or a um avatar or whatever you want to call them um about my target audience um so I have kind of that in mind as well as I'm creating once you shifted to the strategy has that person kind of like refined over time or have you always had that same kind of avatar of essentially like your younger self no it's changed over time because when I was designing I was basically designing for anybody um I was just like anybody who needs kind of my style of design or likes or wants to work with me and likes my work then fine (laughs) um but now I'm a lot more like selective or have yeah much more clearer idea of the kind of person that I want to talk to um so yeah yeah it's changed in that way I guess so you spoke about having a podcast producer and an SEO and content strategist um outside of that do you have any other people helping you how do you manage all that kind of thing yeah so I up until I would say six months ago was doing everything myself and then I had a realization that if I want to go anywhere (laughs) and grow and actually have some kind of like personal life um, I need to start outsourcing, um, which was scary, but very good. So I kind of went all in and I was like, everybody take everything away from me. Um, so yeah, I have the podcast manager. So I used to have just an editor. Um, they just edited the podcast and then I still was doing a lot of the like scheduling or um blog post writing and um, caption writing, like all everything. <laughs> um, but now I have a full manager, so they do everything. Um, I just do the then promoting on Instagram um, and newsletter and everything. 
Um, ECO content person does that quarterly, so that's them. And then I have a VA who does five hours a week for me, um, a virtual assistant. So that's just, she does a lot of admin things, a lot of um, like project management things, just keeping things on track. Um, like I said, execution is not actually a great skill of mine. And so she's very good at like following up with me and making sure I'm doing things <laughs> and stuff like that. Cause I just get off in like visionary land. Um, and then I also have a designer who just does like ad hoc things for me here and there. So she designs like graphics for the podcast. Um, if I'm creating a resource, she'll help me put that together. Um, creating graphics for Pinterest, like things like that. Um, she just does little things along the way that we need. And that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So that's like your ongoing team, right? Cause you had someone, yeah. someone helped you with your website, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he did when I redesigned the website, so I designed it and then he built it in Webflow for me. Oh, cool. Um, and then if I need updates that I can't do myself, a lot of it I can do myself. Um, but there are some things like if we need to build anything brand new, then I go back to him to get him to do that. But yeah. There when you need them. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Perfect. Alrighty, so with your service of um, brand strategy and then you have kind of the coaching, how do you balance communicating about both in your marketing or do you just kind of communicate about the overall like common parts and then people kind of pick a path once they get to your website? How does that work? Um, I try and communicate um, both things separately um now and again so like um I just try and change it up so that I people can get the full picture I guess so I'm not always talking about the whole thing like sometimes I'll talk about the power of like having coaching after you've done a strategy sometimes I'm just talking about like why strategy is really helpful or what part of strategy will help you in your business like I'm talking about different bits I guess um, and then when people either talk to me about working with me or they are on the website um, that's when they can sort of decide which is best for them I suppose and I have you know information on the website um, and talk to them about the benefits of both when I'm talking to them one-on-one -on -one, I guess um, if they're weighing up both options um, and coaching I guess um, can also be added on afterwards so some people don't think they need it at the beginning <laughs> um, and then go through the process and then they're like oh actually I think I want to keep going with you and have your support for longer um, so then that's when it kind of comes through but I talk about I talk about both kind of as equally as I can um, and for me they sort of come hand in hand anyway because as I'm doing my strategy process like we have a slack channel where we're talking and I'm coaching them all the time so even as I'm working away on their strategy they can ask me questions or we can talk about um stuff as we're going along so they're very intertwined for me uh anyway um and I just am kind of a natural coaching along the way kind of person <laughs> um but yeah so it's a bit of a balance I think of talking about them both through my marketing yeah hmm so going back to your email marketing, how mm -hmm. do you approach that? Is it kind of like when people subscribe, they go through a sequence 
or do you have like the newsletter kind of thing or do you do like both walk us through that yeah so I have both so um anytime anybody signs up to anything of mine they will go through a welcome sequence um that's like tailored to whatever they've signed up to so it's different depending on whether they've signed up to like my checklist or my challenge they get a different welcome and then after that they'll go through they'll just be added to like the newsletter my general I guess list um and I email try to email my list every week um as in kind of like a newsletter format and then I will just do additional emails if there's sort of a a launch or a um an event or something big happening and then I'll do more of a separate campaign um but yeah basically a bit of both well they everybody gets a welcome and then everybody gets the newsletter um and then if I'm launching I will just target certain segments mostly um so either people who have already shown interest in a certain offer or have um downloaded like say I'm launching something related to brand strategy they might have already bought the products that I have that are like the mini DIY versions so I can sort of segment those people how long is your welcome sequence oh off the top of my head (laughs) um I think it's like um the one for my checklist is I think like three or four emails and probably over the space of a week maybe um so there's like an initial like hey thanks for downloading um this is what you've downloaded and like um, hit reply to tell me like what you want to learn about brand strategy or why, why you've signed up. Um, and then I have, I think, an additional bonus that I send them. Um, and then, yeah, a couple more emails, I think, after that. If you're launching, do you stop the people in the welcome sequence from seeing the launch content? Or is it kind of just like, if you see it, you see it? Um, I remove people who are currently in a welcome or like onboarding sequence um because I don't want them to be bombarded (laughs) I'm like you're already going through this sequence that's you know that's enough for you and then like they'll get the newsletter I think anyway so if I'm promoting something and it's included in the newsletter they'll see it that way um so I'm not yeah (laughs) bombarding them with everything all at once If you're listening to this episode and wondering how you can market your own business, I might just have the solution for you. The Marketing Apiary is the one-stop shop course for digital marketing, teaching you everything you need to know to be seen, make sales, and grow your business online. With videos across honing your wannability, putting your best foot forward, getting the numbers straight, helping people find you, content marketing, growing with advertising, and passing the torch to your team we cover every platform and angle you can approach marketing through a process I call the seven stages of sweet marketing. Since DIYing everything alone and molding everything for your business can bring up a lot of questions and maybe some decision fatigue, we have Q&A calls every two weeks so you can submit your questions and receive answers customized for your business from me, even if you can't attend those calls live. To find out more, you can pause the episode and go to themarketingapery.com or find the link in the show notes once you're done listening. For now, let's get back to the episode. So with the podcast and the blog, do you have almost like, maybe not like a funnel, but like how do you usher people towards, say, like the next step from one piece of content through to maybe like closer to that sale? 
yeah so with the podcast um we just include like call to actions in the uh, show notes and description and everything um and that then gets people to download the opt-in and we use a specific opt-in depending on what the podcast topic is so it's you like I have a few different opt-ins so um we just choose the most relevant one um and then so that gets them into the funnel and then each blog post kind of has a similar um system so at the bottom of the blog post or throughout the blog post it will either have like a banner that links to an opt-in or at the bottom there'll be a um form like an embedded form in the blog post so they can sign up to that and the same thing um so it's not i'm usually not trying to get them straight from the free content to a paid thing um it's normally like okay you've enjoyed this free like ungated content that's just out there in the wild then you can come if you want to download my opt-in and then you can come and hang out with me in my emails and then hopefully excuse me then that will lead to um them coming and working with me do you have any idea of how long in general it takes someone to get from because there's some patience there like yeah, for sure. <laughs> How long it takes someone to get from, like, first... I guess, I mean, it's different for everyone because it depends on when you're launching. Mm, and also, I think people are so... People are so different, right? Um, I've listened to a podcast or something recently that I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about... Um, how some people are like fast action takers um, and I'm one of these people like if I find somebody um, say I'm googling like SEO for example not that I would do this because I already have a great SEO person but say I'm looking like googling SEO and I find this person who has a great resource and then I start browsing their website and then I say oh they have this course that seems perfect for me I just I'm like cool done (laughs) so I'm probably one of those people who they're like whoa where did they where did Holly come from and I think that happens you know to me sometimes there's people where I'm like whoa they just found me they hopped on they downloaded the freebie and now they've like bought my offer or whatever but then there are people who I know who have been on my list for like years Um, and then eventually they're like oh okay now I'm ready to work with you or people have told me that they (coughs) excuse me have me like on their vision board which is just honestly the sweetest thing I like I think a couple of people have said this to me and it just made me so emotional um but like those are people who it's it's gonna take a longer and they're like I know I'm gonna work with you eventually but it just takes longer so there's different people have different like buying and learning styles I think some people are like yep just give me that now you seem great Some people are like, no, I need to think about it for a lot longer and process. That's why you'll get people who will buy on day one of a launch and people who will buy like last minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. I feel like I'm like, Mm -hmm. I will sign up. I won't wait like forever long, but I'll follow for long enough that I can almost like check that someone is like consistent talking about the same thing Mm -hmm. that I initially connected with so that that wasn't just like maybe like a throwaway comment that I like really jived with but then the rest of what they talk about maybe wasn't 
Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that but I make sense. that I decision of like... who really quickly, but then I follow Yeah, them. nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm a I'm very, like, um, just-in-time learner. So I don't, like, follow somebody really or, like, buy something from them that I'm not going to use, like, now. <laughs> mm. I will just be like, okay, right now I'm focused on Pinterest. I'm going to go and find somebody <laughs> who's good at Pinterest. <laughs> um, so I just, yeah, I'm a bit more like right now. <laughs> yeah. And you know what you want before, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you're you're actively deciding to look for something rather than like, you know, so-and-so is quite persuasive. So now I feel like I need Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, so then would you say that the brand name shift has probably been your most recent launch? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of still in it a, a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's only been, what, two weeks today? Two weeks today. So, um, yeah, still transitioning a lot of back-end things over, like Google Drive folders and emails and things like that um but yeah that's been my recent most recent launch and I think before that must have been either my shop or the group program yeah mm, nice so walk us through kind of how you approach the launch because you've talked about it on your podcast I mm-hmm. imagine there's been some email stuff happening and then yep. you've been on it on um social like you kind of like teased it and then announced Mm -hmm. kind of a thing so how have you kind of approached communicating that and actually actioned it like walk us through your launch a little bit yeah for sure so I wanted it to be um I guess I didn't want to just announce right away like the name's changing and here it is because I felt like that would be very kind of jarring for me, but also for like my audience, right? I wanted it to be sort of a seamless change. So I wanted to warm people up to the fact like, so at the beginning I said something big is happening and I got people to like guess what they thought it was and things like that, fun stuff. Um, Then I think a week later I said, okay, the name is changing. Guess what you think the name is? (laughs) Because I wanted to sort of ease people into the change, I guess, um, and bring people along for the journey so that um, it would be like a fun thing that we're all involved in and everybody could get behind, I guess. Um, So, yeah, so week two, I was like, okay, the name is changing. And then a week later, I said, here's the new name. Um, And I did that primarily on Instagram and my email newsletter. Um, so that was, yeah, just done basically through those weekly. I did weekly emails about it. And I did like weekly announcements on Instagram. And then in between I was like teasing stuff or showing like, hey, I'm working on the new thing. Um, or yeah, getting people to guess what they thought the name was or things like that um, to keep people engaged, I guess. Um, and then when it launched, like the name launched I planned a whole week of name related content so I created Instagram content because I wanted it to sort of also be like a learning or teaching opportunity because now that I've been through this name change process I can share that experience and that process with 
anybody else who might be thinking about going through that process or will in the future or needs to um, just come up with a name in general. So I plan content about like how you know when you need to change your name, whether to use your business name or your personal name. Um, So that was on Instagram and then we did two podcast episodes across that week. So one was like an interview with me. Normally I interview people, but I got um, my friend Amy to interview me um, about like my journey and how we got to hear kind of the stuff I talked to you about earlier. Um, And then a podcast episode that was more educational. Um, So both of those also came out on the blog um, and got shared through the email. And then I randomly got asked to be on the ConvertKit podcast to talk about it as well. So um, that was a good like bonus launch week um, treat. Uh, So yeah, that was essentially the plan. Just kind of a phased approach that was kind of easing people in. Um, I could create content in each sort of phase that gradually revealed more and more and then we launched. Yeah, awesome. I feel like I was kind of like brought along for the journey, even though, I mean, it was a lot, I imagine, in the back end that went on before you did that first, like, something big's happening. But like, Mm -hmm. you feel like you've kind of gotten the behind the scenes peak of like, and like brought along for a journey with just like what was essentially two weeks notice. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you will have been working on it for a long time. You got all the fun parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> we got all the admin uh admin related things. But yes. I did talk a lot of I did an Instagram live as well and talked a lot about like all the admin stuff that went on behind the scenes so that people knew like <laughs> this has been going on for a while and this is everything that you have to do if you're gonna change your name. So um yeah. Yeah. I did think of a couple extra things there. So one, mm-hmm. I noticed that um, like when you go live on Instagram and that kind of thing, you're doing it yeah. at um, what is essentially like afternoon or evening New Zealand time. Do you have any kind of strategy there on who your audience is in terms of are they based in New Zealand, Australia versus the US? Do you have any kind of – because I focus on the morning, but – yeah, so I have tried a bunch of different times. Um, so I think either like later or my Instagram insights says that like 9am is when everybody is active. Every time I've posted at 9am, flop, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> like super quiet. So I'm like, okay, weird, but okay. Um, and then I have started trying well mostly have been posting in the evenings and at like eight o'clock New Zealand time and it's done way better um and I think that's because well in my mind so Maker and Moxie is like global obviously I'm based in New Zealand um but we have a lot of like audience members in the US or in the UK um or obviously in Australia as well so in my mind I'm like okay eight o'clock is like evening time for New Zealanders we're all scrolling you know (laughs) sitting on the couch scrolling um it's about six five six o'clock for Australia so people have finished work they again can be scrolling um and then um it's sort of like very early morning for the UK um so that means that when people are waking up in the morning they're scrolling and then I don't have any idea what time it is for the US but it seems to be (laughs) seems to be a good time so like I have used I guess like the analytics you're supposed to use but they haven't 
um, actually resulted in the results that I would expect. So um, it's just been a lot of trial and error. Um, and eight o'clock for me seems to be about the right time. So I just try and post around there and it seems to be, seems to be good. And yeah. also like, um, I guess practically it's a good time for me because um, my partner streams in the evenings. Um, so if he's streaming, then I can do, I can be posting or I can be um, on Instagram live and in another room. Um, so it just, it works out practically for me to do it then too. Mm. Yeah. With the podcast going live, I had to look into all the different timings and like, I actually went based off of how it would sit in the new latest episodes rollout of Apple podcasts. Mm. Um, and what worked for my schedule in terms of, cause I'm the person that like wants to visually see it go live to make sure it went live. Cause I yep. don't want to be posting about it on social and then people can't even like, access the episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I posted something at 5 PM yesterday and then kind of thought I saw a few people liking it. And then I was like, go to bed you're in the states but then I realized they're on the other side of the states so it was probably oh, like 10 yeah. p.m yeah. <laughs> rather than like 12 30 at yeah. night <laughs> um yeah so that was funny because kind of with that I, f I was like I need to like pick a time and then stick to it for that knowing that it needs to be for me more because people will just listen to the podcast when they want to listen to the podcast like yeah. there's no I mean, there's an algorithm in terms of discover, but there's not an algorithm in terms of listening to a podcast. Yeah, um, yeah I think our podcast goes out at night, like 8.30, 9 a.m. Yeah. But I don't promote it until later on. <laughs> yeah. 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 But people who are subscribed or like the email goes out at 9 a.m. for people who are subscribed to the podcast specific email. Um, but, and if you're, if you follow the podcast on Spotify or iTunes you're going to get it immediately but yeah I just promote it later on <clears throat> yeah um and then the other question I had was around YouTube because for a while there you mm. were doing like weekly vlogs yes which I loved um yeah. <laughs> and did you kind of feel like you because you you're not doing those anymore right I haven't just like not at the moment no. yeah <laughs> um yeah. did you find that with like stories and that kind of content that you were kind of sharing some of that content there, like on stories yeah, instead. There was a little bit of like crossover for sure. Um, it also like, so the reason that I stopped was just a practicality. So the editor I had before did um, audio and video. So she edited both for me at the same time, including the vlogs. Um, but the editor I have or the manager I have now just as audio. Um, and I hate editing video or the passion um I'm just it's just not how my brain works and I did it for a very long time before I had a podcast editor like I've made videos all the way you can go back on my YouTube channel all the way back to like when I started uni or like the middle of uni so I edited videos for a long time and I don't enjoy it <laughs> so I was like unless I can pay somebody else to edit the videos for me, which I just, that's not my priority right now. Um, then I'm not going to make those videos. Um, but I do love it. Um, and I'm also, I guess with the name change and well, before the name change, there was a bit of, I guess, confusion about what I put on like a personal page versus a business page. And like at the moment, my YouTube channel is Holly Arnett TV um because there's like I said like there's stuff from way back 
when I was at uni so it doesn't make sense really for it to be under Maker and Moxie but then there's educational stuff that would make sense to be there so it's just a bit of a mess at the moment um so I just I think I would need a clearer strategy if I was to do that again um but I think yeah there is there was a bit of crossover between I guess Instagram stories and um filming the vlogs um yeah I think it would be fine now because I have a bit more of a distinction on my stories like I don't share a lot as much personal like day-to-day what I'm doing behind the scenes stuff it's more very like um here's what Maker and Moxie is working on right now or like yeah more business specific um so there would probably be a bit more delineation there I think now Mm. has there been other parts of like the marketing sphere of business that you've kind of tried decided weren't working in your favor or you didn't love and decided to move on from um yeah I used to have a Facebook group like a free Facebook Mm. group that was like a marketing um thing that was highly highly recommended in a course like a mastermind that I did their whole thing was like okay get people added into a Facebook group provide value there and then like upsell them onto whatever you're doing next and I was like I don't like this (laughs) like um I'm having to I guess um like post in there all the time try and keep like conversations going and stuff like that and I just I don't like Facebook anyway um it's not really where like I think a bunch of my audience hang out it's not uh my favorite like UI to use um and things like that so I just was like I don't want to do this so I closed the Facebook group um probably a year or so ago um so yeah that was one that I didn't (laughs) didn't love but I tried it and like I did get quite a few people in there because I ran a challenge and um had my opt-in leading there and stuff but it just wasn't for me yeah there's probably been a lot of other things but that's the one that comes to mind (laughs) Yeah, it's that thing of just because you start doing something doesn't mean that you have to do it forever, like while that feature is available. Um, Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have gone on to something like Clubhouse and then have Mm -hmm. potentially like, not struggles, probably a bit extreme, but like had to find that balance of when, like I want to get on this early, but does that mean I need to then commit to it for the next 24 months? Yeah. I think it's also like knowing that a, yes, you can quit something if you aren't enjoying it, but also B, you don't have to start something if you don't want to. Like I did it, like I made an account on Clubhouse just so that my name was saved or whatever, but I was like, I don't this, I don't need to be on there. It's not, like I have enough going on. <laughs> um, and there were a lot of other reasons why I didn't get on there, but like, um, yeah, just being okay with like, okay, I don't need to be there, you know? Just because just a lot of other people are over there doesn't mean I have to. And also Clubhouse has kind of died now anyway. So I feel okay with not being on there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Twitter almost tried to do, I think it was, I think that was what Twitter Fleets was, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and I Googled it the other day and yeah. found out that they canceled it. Like within yeah. three months or something, they'd completely shut it down because people weren't. That was, um, Fleets was their like stories equivalent. Oh and yeah, that they, was it. They also had spaces, which I think they still yes. have, but it's not as it's not very highly used. But yeah, it was exactly the same. Same like audio yeah. 
hangout thing. Even the like the UI, like the layout of it was all the same. <laughs> it was very weird. Yeah. I feel like I wonder if one day Clubhouse will be acquired and then possibly integrated. But yeah, yeah. it's funny, like no feature is um exclusive to any one platform. They can all yeah. poach it, everything from the others. Stealing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with all of that what you're doing now and what you've done in the past, what do you think has been the most effective in marketing your business? Great question. And it doesn't have to be like Instagram. It could be like a like a, an approach that you've done to something or um, anything like that. It doesn't have to be a platform as such. But yeah. how do you think that that's been the most effective for you in the past? Um, I think... The things that have been the most effective for me in marketing my business is having a very like um, relational or relationship-based approach to marketing. Um, like I, I know people say this all the time, but I am so about like community over competition. I do not care how many other branding people are out there. Like I will work with them and I do like I have a <clears throat> series on my Instagram where I get a bunch of um, women who are branding specialists um, to come together and talk about a topic every month. Um, and I love doing that because like, well, I have many opinions, but there are like a lot of men <laughs> um, who are the same like branding men who get, um, you know, put on conferences and things like that all the time so I love bringing together people who don't always have an opportunity to talk or um, I think who are incredible um, and really smart and talented and have a lot to offer so I love bringing them together Um, we get to share like all of our knowledge collectively with our audiences we get to collaborate on stuff Um, and I think like that's always been my approach is like just give and give back and um, collaborate with each other and be very relationship based and you know things like hopping on your podcast I love doing stuff like this because we get to connect like I can share your podcast you can share my story like there's so much good that comes out of things like this um, and I think that's always just been my approach is like how can I try and help these people how can I <clears throat> how can we help each other how can um we share each other's stuff or just cheer each other along. Like I'm always in people's um, stories, replies with the like fire emoji or things like that, you know, just cheering people on and being friends with people on the internet. Um, So I think, yeah. um, And like I said, like I always love doing that in person as well at events and stuff, but that's obviously less doable in uh, today's current situation (laughs) Um, so I just yeah am loving doing that online as well and that's yeah always I guess been my approach is like just give as much as I can give back as much as I can go back to my uni write uh, stuff about branding for other brands to help them and help their audiences like yeah I just want to make connections and friendships and relationships and they cheer me on, I cheer, their on, cheer, their, cheer them on. It's all just a big happy time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Like, yeah. It's just fun to approach it that way. Yeah. For, for sure. sure. Like, there is so much, um, you know, 
feelings of like comparison and competition and that kind of stuff can come up on the internet but I think if you have that like collaboration and community approach it makes things way more chill because you're like nope there's room for all of us let's all just hang out and celebrate each other and we can all succeed so yeah it makes it less stressful (laughs) yeah and rather than it being about like how do you get your slice of the pie it's like how can we make the pie bigger so that there's enough for everyone yeah and the pie more equal yes right how can like that's my thing is like how can i instead of this one person getting all the pie listen everybody get a piece (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. let's take the fence down around the pie yes (laughs) all righty so let's move into the quickfire round um so where do you get the most of your website traffic or sales from website traffic definitely from my like seo my blog Yeah. Do you have any stats on your sales, where they come from, if it's the same? Um, Sales through either that or referrals or Hmm. like, um, or Instagram, actually, I do get a lot. Not directly through Instagram, but people follow me on Instagram and then end up in my things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Slowly in their loop. Yeah. Loop around (laughs) and then eventually they land there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's your favorite place on the internet right now? Uh, Instagram. Nice. (laughs) What are you looking forward to the most in the next year of business? Ooh, um, I am just looking forward to, um, like doing what I do and doing it well. I'm not in like a period now of adding new things. I'm done with the new things and like shifting and changing. I'm like, okay, this is where we are. Let's just make this really good. Nice. Nice. What about what are you looking forward to the most in the offline world? Ooh, um, I am very focused right now on like having my own time and like living, actually having a life outside of my business because it hasn't been that way for a long time. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun, like just creating for creating sake. I'm learning to sew. Um, I'm doing a lot of reading. Um, I started like a bookstagram where I can just take photos and be nerdy about books. Um, so I'm just having fun being creative and having having fun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So if someone is listening to this episode and they want to grow their own coaching business or strategy business, what is the one thing you recommend they do next? Ooh, um... The one thing I would recommend you do next is to get clear on why you're doing what you're doing and who you're doing it for and what the kind of result is going to be and then just share that everywhere. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Digital Hive podcast. I'm your host, Emma Peacock, and today our guest was Holly Arnett of Maker and Moxie. If you're in need of your own brand strategy, you can find out more at makerandmoxie.com. There's also a link in the show notes where you can find the ultimate branding checklist. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love it if you could share it with a friend or on Instagram and tag us at Honeypot Digital. To find out more about Honeypot Digital and the work we do, or to find more episodes of the podcast and handy tips for small businesses marketing online, head to honeypotdigital.com.